Anyone who's ever experienced a mental health challenge knows all too well just how dark and how lonely a journey that can be. But you know, just like any journey, the road can actually get you to a better place. Of course, along the way, you will hit the occasional bump in the road. Hi there, I'm John Milky, the Milkman from BlastTheRadio.com, and welcome to Bumps in the Road, a podcast I'm doing from inside a 28-foot RV gifted to me by my radio audience who believed in this project from day one. I'm traveling to community events and live and location broadcasts across Canada and soon the USA. So keep listening for details on where we're headed next. And if we're coming your way, I'd love to invite you into the BTRV for mental health so that we can hear about your journey and how you're still going strong despite hitting a few bumps in the road. So come on in. Let's have a conversation. So I think this is pretty cool. The very first official conversation in the BTRV for mental health as we make our way to Peterborough for um, another drag bingo with Miss Imagine That and Miss Delicious. Andre. Bonjour. DJ Dimawi is also how we know it. How'd you come up with DJ Dimawi? Uh, so um, several years ago, I was DJing uh, while I was doing a drag show at Liberty Chicago in uh, Hull. And uh, I had to replace the DJ that was going away for a little while. So they needed a DJ and I've been doing it for several years. And I needed a French DJ name because while I am French, I'm born and raised in Amar, Quebec. But uh, Rit Mitsoku uh, sings a song called Andy, which is my real name. Yep. And she says, Dimawi. Andy, whoa, whoa, shoot. Which we hear you playing on your show quite a bit. A okay, yeah. so that's all right. Anybody ever ask you that other than me? Uh, some people do. Okay. And then they recognize a song and then they'll tell me another song that she does that's even cooler. But <laughs> but it doesn't mention your name, therefore. Yeah. So this all is right. already cool. So, of course, the purpose of the BTRV is. We want to go places, be part of community events, etc., fundraisers, live on locations. But wherever the BTRV is, we want to invite people in to sit down and have a conversation. Now, you and I are doing this. We happen to be driving right now. It's okay. We're completely hands-free. We're using lavalier microphones, wirelessly to the digital recorder. So that can be done while we drive around in the RV. Yeah. Um, we can also, you know, if the RV is parked, um, there's the couch, there's the kitchenette. We can sit down and have conversations uh, with people uh, right across the country, which we're going to be doing in the not-too-distant future. But yeah. I know that you have had your challenges and your experiences with mental health. Um, and I consider you one of my absolute best friends. And despite, you know, us being great friends, we've never really had a conversation about mental health other than how you doing, I'm struggling, I need help, what's going on, yeah. blah, 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 blah. So I'm curious, when, when did you first become aware of a mental health condition? <laughs> how much time do you have? I got all the time in the world. <laughs> First, uh, first of all, uh, ev eventually, once we get this rolling, I'm going to need to get some kind of a houseboy. So, be like, while we're talking, he could be making us some food or snacks or something. <laughs> or drinks, even. Like, seriously, we need to work on that. I mean, I could take you to a drive-thru. Uh, ooh, well, no. That's good. Oh, uh, yeah. Nothing's so ever good enough for you. My mental health uh, started, uh, <laughs> I don't know, about 20... 
well, I guess 25 years ago uh, when I was, you know, abandoned, well, not abandoned, but disowned for being gay. And uh, I moved to Toronto and it was a fight for your own life there. And um, I was diagnosed with a few uh, health issues. Um, and then the health issues just have snowballed ever since. And uh, when I got married uh, in 19, uh, no, 2007, um, you know, my ex-husband was very verbal abusive and, and whatnot. And, and until we separated and he moved back to the UK, uh, he was diagnosed bipolar schizophrenic. So that yeah. explained my entire marriage, really. Did you know at the time that he was bipolar schizophrenic? No. Yikes. No. Uh, so we were both, uh, I mean, you know, we did our fair share of drugs and yep. uh, and we spent a lot of money on it, but it wasn't something that I wanted to do. You know, I did it for him. Uh, and even now, I still, I smoke my pot and that's just because of other th reasons. And yeah, but it's legal now. So it's, it's also, legal yeah, now, it's yeah. no fun anymore, right? <laughs> it's legal now. Um, you said when you and you you kind of reeled it back in but you said when you were disowned and maybe that's not the right word you're looking for but obviously you're speaking to someone or you know various people within your family um having a difficult time accepting that you are a gay man so yeah i, I who, was, who was, I was put out of the house uh, by my parents uh when i came out of the closet um and you know, it, it was fine. I was uh, eight, 19, I think, when that happened. So, you know, I, it was time for me to become an adult anyways and do my own thing. And I just graduated high school. So, um, yeah, but the circumstances of that change things. Well, don't forget, like, I, I, I'm a late 70s boy. So uh, it wasn't as accepting back then like you know there was still a lot of stigma around being gay uh when i was coming up and you know 96 is when i graduated and um see so i was, was a different time so i'm a little older than you right i was born in 69 that's a good year <laughs> no matter how you look at it upside down right side better. up because uh -huh, yeah, then, yeah I owe you then i owe you one i know it's your famous line <laughs> it is um but the 70s that I, you know, when I was growing up, you know, I was a kid, yeah. but I was still aware of, you know, the, this, this sexual revolution that was happening and the burning of the bras and feminism and, you know, swingers parties were a big thing and, when you know, was Woodstock? And Woodstock was 69 and it was <laughs> all about free love and acceptance and a lot of that had to do, it was right around the time of, you know, the, the, um, uh, the war and yep. you know there was a lot of racial issues going on and it was a real sort of coming together and harmony of that but peace and love and all these love-ins and being with multiple partners and there was a lot of sexual freedom yeah that was born of of hmm. exactly that That's there's that, even more of that now well and, and this is kind of what i'm getting to with my question so yeah. it, it it breaks my heart to hear that you know you're you're younger than i am but there wasn't that acceptance i mean like in high school, you dated girls in high school. Uh, yeah. Did you know then? Uh, yeah. But I had to hide it just to, you know, I didn't want to get put into a dumpster by somebody at school. Yeah. Which happened several times until, you know, then one of the, the hot jock guys would try and start to like slowly protect me and make sure that nobody touched me. And 
Not that he wanted anything with me or anything, uh, but yeah, I'm a platinum gay. <laughs> what does that mean? It means I, I I came out of the stomach and I've really only kissed a girl and that's it. Okay. Ah, okay. Yeah, got it. All right. Katy Perry's false advertising, really. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Katy. It's not false advertising. I well, happen to have kissed many girls and uh, quite liked it I'm, I'm every sure time. You did. Yeah. I'm sure you did. Uh, <laughs> you're funny. <laughs> okay, so let. I mean, you go through high school and you're dating girls, and you know in your heart of hearts that this isn't me. This isn't yeah. what I want to be doing. I'm having to be brave and put on this face and try and fit in and what kind of toll does that take on one's mental health Andre uh well I wouldn't have become a whore (laughs) if I would have had a better support system around then (laughs) uh no it's true and and that's why I did a lot of work for Jeunesse Dem in in Gatineau uh because when I was young coming out as a young gay man of course I I had no money, I didn't know anything, so I always, you know, went towards the older sugar daddy kind of thing who liked the young boys kind of thing, right? And, you know, you see the memes on on Facebook, oh, you know, the the new iPhone 6 is coming out and it's a twink with a really old man, like, you know, gotta get it somehow. Aha. But if that youth organization would have existed when I was coming out, then I wouldn't have had to do all that. I would have had people, you know, my age and and know that I wasn't the only one going through the same thing. And just remember, like, if you are just newly coming out, like, reach out to, uh, you know, whether it's my Facebook page or my Diversity in the Capital page or whichever. Like, I've got resources for you to to find peers like you because you're not alone. So, this is a mental health conversation. That's kind of the whole point of the BTRV is to have mental health conversations. Yeah. But we're veering in a couple of different directions, and I think these are important conversations to have. Um, and, and I'm curious your take on this, because I, I, I'm very proudly an ally of the LGBTQ plus 2S community. Um, I have many friends who are gay, you included. Um, I have friends who are trans. I, you know, I, I, we're on our way to a drag show. I support, you know, the drag community in doing this. The very first uh, big event that I did with my radio station was be part of the Pride Parade. Um, I'm actually afraid to do drag now. Well, this is what I want to get to because yeah. for a long time it felt like we were finally getting to a place where there was this understanding and there was acceptance, not exclusively, but it seemed from the outside looking in as close as I am to the community, you know, and look, I'm, I I guess I'm kind of on the fringe of that community, right? You know, because my lifestyle is, you know, BDSM, kink, etc. And, you know, so I'm kind of on the fringe of that, but I'm not gay, so I don't have that stigma against me. But to me, as an outsider looking in, it appeared that things were finally getting to a really good place. And there was a lot more acceptance and understanding. And it really became, instead of a big, long, drawn-out conversation about, oh, you're gay, you know, uh, the conversation we're having now. When did you know? How did you know? Did you ever kiss a girl? Yeah. But it became like a two or three second conversation. Oh, you're gay? Yes. Next. And? Yeah. Didn't change anything. But here we are all of a sudden. 
where drag queens are just, I mean, being demonized because of one or two videos that have popped up where I think we can agree there were drag queens and kids around and what was happening was inappropriate. Yeah, the potty mouth. And, you know... Well, and money being tucked into a G-string is one video I saw, etc. Yeah, but I mean... Pe- but people who've never been to drag shows and don't understand what drag is and the theater of it and the performance aspect of it, they see that... I mean, generally, they're wearing, like, 12 pairs of nylons and a bodysuit anyways. But, yeah, I get it. I understand that portion of it. But, I mean, Rue trailblazed that a lot for putting drag queens all over, you know, primetime television kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah. And I think it, it went too far like how so i mean uh, being on the mental health chat you know it, it has that was one of the things that i loved to do because you know if i was feeling low or gloom or or you know upset or whatever then i would just go shave my entire whatever i had to do slap some makeup on put a wig on a dress and then just go out and party and chat with people and if it was in Toronto then any bar you walked into they'd let you do a drag number you know and then you know you got to talk to people and and be a person that you're not for an entire evening that's what I enjoy about it it's the theater aspect of it and I grew up you know doing drama in high school and being around stage and theater I married a woman who's you know went to the arts school in town um, so I'm very, very drawn to that. And, I, and, and listen, there's quite a bit of performance involved in what I do on the radio. You know, it doesn't involve costumes, etc. But I like... Uh, sometimes it does. Well... <laughs> I've seen your Twitch. These, these days... Well, yeah. These days it does because there's video cameras in the studio now. But for the longest time, there yeah. wasn't. But, it's, you know, it's the, it's the performance of, you know, getting to create this persona of the milkman. Yeah. Who... Listen, there's bits and pieces of John Milky in The Milkman, absolutely, and vice versa. Um, but even on like my crappiest, worst days, I had this character. Yeah. The Milkman, you know, was this guy who knew everything about the Backstreet Boys and the Spice Girls. Milkman was the person who would introduce you to these bands that were being played on the radio and got all the interviews. Yeah. Milkman was the guy who was emceeing the concerts. Milkman was the guy who was taking your requests and putting you on the radio and joking with you and this fun guy and you know and and it's that little four-hour world pardon me of being in the studio and that escapism it's performance because you know a lot of times in my real day you know i got cra is calling or you know i'm behind on a bill payment or i got a lawn to mow i got a house falling apart a million different problems your cable gets cut internet gets cut yeah yeah you know, I my wife and I are arguing, or my parents and I aren't getting along, or yeah. what, you know, but I get to adopt this character and this persona. So I get the desire and and the fun of dragon. I think that's lost a lot of people. And I also think, and, and it's not like that, RuPaul's Drag Race. When you go to a regular drag show in Ottawa or Toronto, it's not all like Drag no. Race. No, it's it's lip syncing. And look, back in the days of Shakespeare. They've been seeing drag for I mean since the 18th century. I women think. weren't allowed to perform on stage, so Ugh. the men had to play the role of women. Correct. It was fine then. They weren't. It wasn't even a sexual thing. It was they just they were just dressed up in order to create 
the character. And if well, it wasn't what... for the queens, then Stonewall would have been a very boring uh, little situation, let me tell you. <laughs> so that's the drag component to it. You know, and it's funny that we're on our way to this, but, you know, and, and then you've got, you know, the trans community right now is really, really, really being vilified. Yeah. And they're under attack. And I just, I don't, I don't even want to weigh in on it anymore because we're just in such an ugly place in the world that, you know, it's just, for me, it's very simple. You, you're, you were born one gender and you've struggled with that your whole life and all of the psychological reasons behind it and you've gotten to a point where you're prepared to make that kind of, that's a drastic change, yeah. right? Because there's surgeries involved, the medications involved, etc. It boils down as simply as this to me. Your name is Bill, but you want me to call you Jill? Okay, I have no problem calling uh, Robert Van Winkle Vanilla Ice. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, my mom has always gone by her middle name. My aunt has always gone by her middle name. My uncle has always gone by his middle name. Yeah. That's what they want to be called. My grandfather went by his middle name. Yep. I mean, if that's what you want to be called, fine. Yeah. Why is it so difficult, do you think, for people, some people, to just accept, you know, a coworker who they've known for a lot of years as... Everybody just wants to rebel now, I think. But why is it so uncomfortable and why is there this pushback on it? Because it's just, is it not exacerbating the mental health problem that these people have already been living with and going through for a long time? These people, I don't mean it like, I don't mean it like Don Cherry. Yeah. But someone who has obviously done the work and, and gone through the processes and all the struggles of coming to terms with who they are and finding a way to actually be comfortable and happy. And then they're met with this. So, I, and I've actually been dealing with a lot more mental health recently, you know. I mean, at one point I was diagnosed with cancer, so then that was another little bump in the side road. And then now recently, um, you know, for 25 years I've been a huge advocate of the LGBT or 2SLGBTQI plus community, which they changed the acronym again. Um, <laughs> you know what? It, it does my heart good that you, you know, you as a gay man. Yeah. And and is such a I still have a hard time. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I and, it every day. And, and and all the, the work that you do for your community, you still have a hard time with it. So yeah. I I will feel less bad no, no. every time I screw it up then. I mean, I'm trying. I'm trying know, to include everyone. And when I when somebody tells me their pronoun is they, like, you know, it, sometimes it'll take me a little while before I get the they in my head, but I mean, we all have to keep learning. It's a learning process, And right? for me, by the way, thank you for saying that, because for me, it's not a matter of, I don't ever mean any disrespect if I still call you a he or I still call you a she, yeah. especially if we have a pre-established relationship. But I think a lot of the difficulty with the they is that as someone who uses language for a living yeah. and who understands how English works, yeah. they, and I get it, it's, it's, pl it's plural. And the person adopting they as their pronoun... It's not is, neither male or female, it's both. So it's... Right, they, it's... I'm, right? I'm plural, I get it, but it doesn't sit comfortably in the brain and it doesn't roll off the tongue very easily. And... Like, I give positive space uh, for, you know, my other daytime job. Um, and we use Sam Smith as a they example. So Sam Smith has chosen to be they. Uh, and if you're seeing some of the videos that uh, they are doing lately, you know, it's 
the top is like you know a little pasties and then the bottom is like an, uh, a men's outfit or a half of a dress or like you know very uh, Billy Porter okay uh, a little bit of a mix of both but um, in in our presentation she referred to Sam Smith as he and five people corrected her throughout the presentation going um it's they by the way so like there's a lot of people that are starting to get it that you know these are all people that either are there to understand absolutely. the LGBT absolutely and it's, LGBT and it's and it really like <clears throat> it's it's only within the last couple of years that they has really become prominent like part of the conversation the pronouns yeah yeah so for the trans community I, I, I want to respect you. I do respect you at all times. And I never, ever, ever intend to disrespect anybody. And if I trip up on that, my only ask is don't come, don't come at me yeah. with anger. Correct. I'm trying. Yeah. And and it takes time to change these things, you know. And, and it, it, it's even more difficult for people who are even older than I am. And I don't really think... I think there are some who intentionally what's... won't use it and, and are disrespectful. And sure, those people, after a while, you need to sit them down and, and call them out. And and and. And that's what's hurting me too, is because I've seen people on social media that are posting pictures of stuff of showing, like you know, gay people being pulled underwater by the trans community, which is not the case at all. We all need to band together to stick. We are greater in voice together as we are against each other. See, I love that because I grew up, you know, like like most straight boys, you know, you go to Boy Scout camp or whatever and you know, somebody's brought a Playboy or a Penthouse magazine and, oh, look, boobies, you know, and I was never, sure, I liked that, but I was always more interested in the back pages <laughs> well, <laughs> where you'd have, you know, photos for, yeah. you know, 1-800 or 1-900 numbers and you would call a dominatrix. And I was yeah. fascinated by these strong females yeah. in, in leather and vinyl and just the dominance of them. And then the they should have let you play thing. with Barbies when you were a kid because I'm glad I had to play with G.I. Joe. Oh, I got to play you. with Barbie. No, I got to play with Barbie. Oh, no. I, you see, my next door neighbor, uh, they were two girls and I got invited <laughs> over to play Barbies. So I brought Big Jim and Steve Austin, the $6 million man over. And let me and tell you, play with them. well, we were in the Big Jim sports camper and there were kissy kissies going on. And anyway, oh. I, I was never allowed back over there again. Oh, okay. uh, but that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> so let, let's get back to the mental health aspect of this. So you had this struggle as, you know, with this inner turmoil coming to terms with yourself, yeah. you know, realizing that you were gay, but obviously there was nobody around you who you felt comfortable talking to you didn't have any mentors or any examples around you well i did because they were drag queens and that was their way of dealing with all the well yeah but that's that's once you're out of once you're out of the house and you're on your own you have that but not in high school you didn't have that no no i mean a lot of my girlfriends and friends that i hung around with they all knew like but they just never said anything they never said anything to me but they knew i wasn't a straight guy. 
So you had that inner struggle, and and that had to take a toll on and all mental my friends health. were girls, anyways. Well, I didn't have isn't that always friends. the case? Because all the guys were like jocks, <laughs> or I mean, I was the mascot for the high school football team. So I've, I've always, I've always said, I've always said this to young people: be super duper nice to the gay guys if you like girls, because the gay yeah. guys, <laughs> they're not, you know, they like want magnets. nothing from the girls. They are, they yeah. they are your in. Yeah, we're the wingmen. Yeah, well, yeah. So get along, get along with your gay friends. And we friends. can make you crash if we really want to. Uh huh. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, after a couple of beers, I might change my mind. <laughs> I'm kidding. So high school was a struggle, and yeah. now did you realize then that you were having mental health issues because of this, or uh, a little just... bit? Because that's when I was starting to find out that I was, uh, like you know, ADHD and dyslexia happening all at the same time so I, I had a hard time reading I couldn't do the math so who's uh, diagnosing that your teachers uh, the teachers and yeah and a little bit of my doctor near the end of okay. it okay yeah and then you find yourself being put out of the house yeah by parents who just didn't understand didn't accept um, which they came around several years later you know it took them a little bit of yeah, time yeah but your mom your mom Oh, my mom calls really me likes every you. 20 minutes yeah, I now. Know, I know. Um, but you ended up on your own in a big city like Toronto. I mean, yeah. Let's, let's walk through that. What what kind of impact did that have on your mental health? How scared were you? Um, I want to say a little bit because, well, the first couple of years, because, you know, it was a new place and I didn't know many people and I had just come out in the community. Uh but I, I started to meet a lot of awesome people, which I, I still talk to mo- uh, many of them to this day. Um, uh, some of them have passed, and, uh, you know, the ones that I really leaned on the most are, are all gone now. But no. uh, I, I wouldn't change it for anything. Like, I had a great experience in Toronto, and then I, you know, branched my wings, and I ended up having three or four apartments there on my own. Uh, living in different places and you know being in a one or two bedroom apartment by myself in Toronto like what were you doing for work uh, so for the longest time I was a manager at uh, tracks 5 on young and Maitland it and was a, what's that it was a gay bar okay uh, and I started off as busboy and by the end three years after uh, I was manager before I left Cool. Uh, managing the bar on like a Friday or Saturday And you were night. able to afford rent, obviously, yeah. and feed yourself. Yeah, and, you and know. then uh, I left there, and then I got a job at St. Andrew's Club and Conference Center, uh, where I did a lot of amazing events. I was the, you know, chief steward, and so it was a conference center in one of the big buildings on uh, uh, King, at, uh, King Street. So you were still experiencing success, so now you're oh, on yeah. this, this, you know... You've gone from this struggle in high school and, and being put out of the house because of who you naturally are. Yeah, yeah. And, and all to the confusion that having a full-time job and taking care of myself. Right. Yeah. And starting to see success and whatever else in this upward trajectory in your life. Yeah. Um, what did you have? I mean, what made you leave Toronto eventually? Uh, well, I met someone near the end of it when I uh, left in 2007. And my dad had had several heart attacks by then. So I wanted to be back closer to the family, uh, just, you know, in case anything had to happen to my dad. Had you reconciled with your parents? Had they... By then, yes. Okay. Yeah, and my, my you know, my who, fiance who... came to the house several times in Christmas, and my mom bought gifts and everything for him. And 
how, how did that conversation or how did that family unit come back together? Who opened the door? Who had, who spoke first? Um, I think it was them because I hadn't messaged in quite a while and they came to Toronto when I did a CD release party, when I released my first, uh, CD in Toronto. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I had re, re, uh, recorded the song, uh, beautiful by Christina Aguilera. Oh, and we did a CD release uh, in Toronto at the club and conference center where I worked at. So my parents came down for that. It was a big thing. We put them up at the hotel and they got to see the place where I worked and they got to hear my CD. And so then shortly after that, we kept in touch uh, after that visit and decided to move back after my dad had a few heart attacks. Okay. And by the time you said you were married? Uh, yeah, I got married in 2007. Were they at your wedding? Uh, no. Wow. They, they, they called me the day of and congratulated us and said, like, you know, unfortunately they wouldn't be able to attend the wedding, but my sister did and one of my aunts did. But uh, your parents didn't. That had to hurt. Yeah, a little bit. Just but, a little bit? I mean, they still accepted him as my husband. So, you know, every Christmas or any, uh, you know, uh, great holiday, he was always invited. He always had Christmas gifts, but he... And now I can understand why he didn't want to go half the time is because, you know, he was having mental health issues and I right. didn't even realize it or know it. So you're in Ottawa, your, your father passes away at some point. What was the relationship like with him before he passed away? Had, had you not reconciled, it's not the word I'm looking for, but oh, yeah, everything had you was mended cool fences? My, oh yeah, everything was awesome between my dad and I. Uh, the day before he passed away, he had his, uh, I don't know, 15th heart attack in his sleep. Oof. Uh, but the night before, my, my husband and I were there putting up uh, one of those little tempos in the back patio because my sister had just had a baby a month before. Okay. And they weren't allowed to smoke in the house anymore if they wanted, you know, the baby to come visit. So... Ah, okay. I, we were putting the, you know, the one for the car up at the front on, yeah, yeah. The, on the driveway. And then we put another one up at the back so they could just <laughs> go out the back door and smoke. And I'll never forget my dad standing in the window. And I am cursing like a French trucker trying to put up this tempo that I couldn't figure out in the back. So they're not easy. And he just sat in the window in the patio and just, all I could, I looked up after cursing for about five minutes and he was just sitting there laughing his ass off. <laughs> He's like, yeah, he'll be fine. And then uh, he drove us home that night and then he uh, he died in his sleep that night. Uh, I think it was like nine o'clock in the evening and um, the next morning we got the call that my dad had passed. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, 13 years ago. So the relationship you were in, the marriage you were in, uh, were you aware of just how damaging that was to your psyche that, you know, you're with someone who... I didn't. I didn't was... because when I finally went to my doctor, which my husband and I at the time had the same doctor, uh, and when I finally separated from the husband and uh, I think it was after like five or six years of marriage... Uh, I went to the doctor and I was like, I, I don't know what to do. I'm a little like lost right now. Is there anything you can describe me? And he started laughing. He's like, Andre, I've been waiting for you for a couple of years now to ask me this. Wow. So he knew that I was like, he was surprised I dealt with this so long that I did without meds. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Is it, is it not up to a doctor to... To tell you you should. Yeah. 
yeah, to interject and, and say I'm seeing yeah. something or are they not allowed to do that, I wonder? Like I'm the type of person that will keep shit bottled in for so long and then instead of punching a wall or something, I just explode and I cry and then I can't stop for several hours. See, and my reaction to what you just described about, you know, and shouldn't your doctor interject, I'm asking that because my story is very similar. When I went to my doctor after a nervous breakdown and we started having the conversation about all the things that, you know, were sort of, because I'd gone, you know, for previous checkups and, you know, I'm not sleeping right, my breathing isn't right, uh, you know, and, and we did stress tests, heart tests, blood tests, you name it. All he ever found was, you know, your cholesterol's high, you're overweight. I, we knew that. Um, but when I went to him after a nervous breakdown, he gave me his full attention and he said, you know, John, I don't know why I didn't see it earlier. Mm. You are a classic <laughs> type A personality. Yeah. And exactly the kind of person who's prone to depression and anxiety. So, I mean, he had to have seen it. He just didn't express it and didn't volunteer it. That's interesting. The two for two between the two of us, doctors never stepped in and said, I see this happening to you. Yeah, but the worst part is that I'm a Gemini, so I've already got a multiple personality. Ah, yeah. See, right? So it was masked. So you don't need need me in in the RV at all to have a conversation. You just (laughs) talk talk amongst yourselves, Andre. I'm like, even when I threw a dress on, there was a third personality. (laughs) Then, uh, you know... I'd be singing live instead. There's a fourth personality. Can I offer like, you a little opportunity on the radio station? Right now, I'm learning from my cat. I just I start turning oh, my back God. to her now when I'm upset with her. <laughs> so, I've known you now what? Four years? Five years? Yeah, I think it's been five years now. I'm on uh, introduced through a mutual BTR, friend. BTR, yeah. Um, and I love having you on BTR, and I love that you know your community is represented represented through you. Well, I'm trying on the air. Um, but I, I've seen you go through the occasional struggle, yeah. uh, even in the more you know recent times. And I know you've had some cancer scares and other things. And um, like, where are you at now with your mental health? Uh, well, once when I was diagnosed with cancer two years ago, which is was at the beginning of the pandemic. Which I mean, for me, that's it a was great, great time to get sick on top of you for know, me, it was all great, right? Things. Because. I wasn't allowed to see anybody anyways because of my extremely low immune system. So okay, uh-huh. uh, so right. I would do my chemo on the Friday. And I, I still worked because, well, you know, it was basically working from home then anyways. Sure. So I didn't take any time off for that. But uh, once I stopped the, after the AIDS treatment, they realized that it wasn't doing anything. So we stopped to regroup. And then that's when my partner that I was with for two years decided he no longer wanted to be boyfriends. Um, so then I took, you know, I was starting to try and deal with my own mental state by then, but I, I took that summer to just be summer of Andre. And okay. I well, went. let's, let's go back to that relationship for a second. And, and, and I don't want you to get too involved in details and stuff. Yeah, I but don't see a Kleenex box in here. We're going to have to get one. <laughs> I've got a lot of McDonald's <laughs> napkins. So ah, we're good. Yeah. Um, but I knew him a little bit and I certainly, you know, saw you two together a little bit. Yeah. Um, and, and I like him. Um, I don't really know him, but you know, he and I did get along quite well. Yeah. But I'm. And he I'm, taught me a lot in the two years we were together. Or he trained me. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There it is. Um, but I'm curious, <laughs> with your mental health struggles and the cancer, and you know, if you're if you're already depressed, and you're already dealing with anxiety, I'm trying to rely on a partner. Yeah. 
a mental health diagnosis, or, or sorry, a cancer diagnosis, um, that will make the mental health matters infinitely worse because harder, there's all that yeah. worry and you know, and it messes with your internal system, obviously. And then yeah. they prescribe different medications, and who knows how they all react and mix with what you're already on for depression and anxiety and all the other things. Which is like what the doctor described a couple of months ago when I started this new anxiety uh. medication: is that you know, think of the pills as a key, and what the one that unlocks the door. Uh, we might have to change and try several keys. Before They're always tinkering with it. One of them unlocks the door yeah. properly. So. But I want to know in the relationship you were in. Yeah. How much of a role do you think your own mental health challenges played in that relationship ending up where it ultimately ended up? Fuck. I mean, pardon my French, but That's all of it. Like, every relationship. It's... it's. <laughs> I think it's actually played a role in every damn relationship I've tried to have. Because sure. if the person isn't ready or willing to to deal with somebody that has mental health, then... You'll never see them as a as a full partner, or... right? And even like, and if you're with someone who also has mental health issues, well, then that's like they, well, yeah, it, it, dumb it, and dumber kind of thing. <laughs> like, yeah, like they, you, you would sort of think. I think if you're you know if you're on the outside, they would looking understand in, a lot more. But yeah, yeah. okay, well, if you've got depression, they've got depression. Right. You should understand each other. Well, yeah, no. no, how can I, and I've always said this. How can I expect someone else to understand what I'm going through when I can't understand it and explain it myself? Exactly. And your depression and your triggers and your reactions are going to be very different. And it's funny because than mine. one of the last relationships I had, uh, the person I was trying to get with was very, I like being alone. I like doing my own thing. You know, I won't touch my phone unless I need to, you know, like. We're friends and it's good. And I didn't understand that at the time. I just, I wanted to be with him at every second I could. Right. But now I've turned it into him. Like, I love being alone and I love shutting my phone off and I love just okay. getting up and going for a walk and doing my own thing and So how answer. did you get to that place? Because um, I find it very difficult being alone. I don't like it. I don't do well with it. It beats me up. I beat myself up. There over are times it. that I love it, but a lot of the times I don't. So the, the times that I don't want to be alone, like hopefully I have you know a couple of bucks in my pocket and I'll just go sit on a patio somewhere and have a beer or just go for a walk and see people, you know. Um, and that's the one thing I do. If I if I start getting fidgety in the apartment because, well, a I'm working from home uh, some of the time. And I'm seeing the same four walls at all time. When I finish work at four o'clock, I push the chair in and then I take four steps and fly up, flop onto a couch. Mm. Well, the last couple of days I've been sitting on my balcony and I'm like, I am not going to be consumed by television. It's summer. I'm going to get out. I'm going to sit on the patio, even listen to music or, you know, throw BTR in my earbuds and away I go for a walk. Always a good prescription for whatever ails you, by the way. Putting exactly. BTR on. Or now you can listen to a whole bunch of podcasts. But, yeah, in this one. Yeah. Um, but I, I have such admiration that you are up and you are being proactive and you're going places and you're doing things because I just can't. I know I should and I think about it all the time and I just, I, I'm just very uncomfortable getting out on my own and, and just doing something simple like going for a walk. It's ridiculous, I know. So 
and I'm sure you went through a period of, nope, I'm just going to stay on the couch. I know I should walk. I know and I I've should do something. That, yeah. So, so what, what is it? What was that moment where you finally just said, fuck it. I, I you know, I'm going to go for a walk. Uh, well, there was a, mo- uh, a period most recently where I like, I just, I couldn't do anything. I, you know, I would finish work and I'd crash on the couch. I'd even take my lunch hour and I'd, I'd fall asleep for a nap on the couch. But yep. I didn't understand. The number that, of alarms I've set on my phone yeah. just because I know I'm going to inevitably fall asleep. Yeah. You know, even if it's 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. You know, like. And and that was been my problem. But uh, I think it came full, full circle when, you know, a couple of weeks ago, a friend of mine asked that, you know, he was in need and he needed a place to crash and... And I was like, mm, I kind of like being alone, but I couldn't say no to a friend. So I, I agreed to let them come and stay with me for a little while. And I wanted to start cleaning my apartment and trying to, you know, declutter it and finally clean it properly. And I had a friend come over to help me clean. And I was embarrassed on how many dishes were in the kitchen and how much cat hair was everywhere. <laughs> and like my clothes all over the place. So. Um, Are you sure you're gay, Andre? Because you're, 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 you're not you're not adding up to all the stereotypes that are out there. I know. I'm just and saying. I, but I don't watch sports, so I'm thinking uh, I am. Okay. All I'm right. just kidding. Uh, but I mean, that's why I need a partner <laughs> to help me keep all that shit clean. <laughs> Cat won't help me do it. Because when I when I met you, when I went to your house for the first time, and you were in the oh, relationship we were just talking that was about, his place. it was his place. Oh. Okay, but it I was s- spick and span, and I. He tried to train me, and it worked when I lived there. It just went out of the fucking boat when I got to my own place. Because you're a submissive, aren't you? And you, of course, yeah. So you will aim to please. The bottom controls everything. Well, <laughs> yes and no. Yeah, that's true. So, how are you today? And I don't mean that as in, hey, how are you? I mean, in in your best opinion of yourself. <laughs> on this, and look, I know yesterday was a different day. Tomorrow's a different day still. Yeah. But in this moment, today, as we are in the RV and headed to Peterborough to do what you and I do best together, and that is put on these live events to a sold-out crowd with a group of drag queens and drag kings, and a, and and a client who absolutely loves what we do. I know we're headed to someplace good, as exhausting yeah. as it is. Yeah. But in this moment, right now. How's Andre? Andre is still pretty stressed as fuck. Like, uh, I mean, you know, okay, so it, it hasn't been put all over social media. And, and I do share a lot of my, you know, my cancer diagnoses and uh, mental health state on social media. Which but, can be good and bad. Correct. Yeah, uh, I get it. And I've had people going, you know, ah. What are you putting that on? Like, don't air your dirty laundry. So I don't. Yeah. Like, I, I yeah. If internalize it's it instead. Beat yourself up. Just you know. I know. Bullshit. Right? I, I know. There's 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 no correct answer to that. Yeah. I and wish. then I have all these friends where you know, oh, we're available, and then when you call them, they're not available. So. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the last couple of weeks, when I let my friend moved in, uh, I was having some problems with my scalp, and I thought it was you know either dandruff or something uh so i had to chop my hair off because there was like you know scabbing on my scalp and i didn't know what was going on and my head was throbbing and after i shaved my head i was putting polysporin on it and i couldn't even lie down on my head and unbeknownst to me um i had shingles 
two weeks ago. On your head? On my scalp. Oh, girl, see, I... <laughs> Shingles is a result of chicken pox. So if you've had chicken pox later in life... And stress. You And stress is what apparently brings it on. Yeah. I had it around my rib cage. Yeah. And it was un... Bearable. And I talked to a friend of mine who is the mother of, I want to say, four kids. Yeah. And she said, you know, I've had whatever it was, three, four kids. And as painful as childbirth is, she says, yeah. nothing has ever been as painful as, as shingles. You had it on your head? Um, yeah. It started on my Holy forehead. Shit. I had it on my forehead and it went like right down where my parted hair was. Um, so I couldn't use, you know, my brush anymore. And I didn't know what was going on. I just thought it was an allergic reaction to something and on the other hand it is kind of ironic that uh, you know you had shingles where on your roof <laughs> on my roof yes <laughs> so but the worst part is, is i had the monkeypox shot like two of them because of my low immune system so i'm like i'm ready for planet of the apes but now here i go getting shingles like yeah i should have talked to a roofer Get some tar. I mean, you appear okay. I'm not, you know, the hair's growing back. You're, the hair's by growing the way, back. Your hair grows so freaking fast. I can't yeah, get over it. It's about like, like a bad weed. But, <laughs> uh, well, when I saw the doctor last uh, on Monday, which I, you know, waited quite a while to see the doctor, uh, she's like, there's nothing I can do for you because you've beaten it. Like you're done. Yeah. And she's like, if you beat it, then yeah. After no a certain meds, point, after a certain point, it's just you got to tough it out. And you know, maybe that's down to the little bit of the S and M shit that I did when I was a kid. Because <laughs> no, I've got a better no, tolerance for pain. No, no. Even the worst pain I've experienced in an S and M scene. No. Is no. I will no, no. I will take that over. When you have a big leather bear, no. Uh uh-uh, uh, honey. I had a dominatrix try and nail my balls yeah, to a board once. I mean, Andre. she'd she'd probably be afraid to break a nail. <laughs> like, Not these guys. They didn't got. Uh, maybe that's a little bit too much of a revelation for yeah people who know me, but I don't care. So, Listen. but in the last few days, I, I'm still having a hard time, and I, I don't know what to say to a friend of mine, and and I want to kind of like throw him off the balcony every once in a while, but. <laughs> well, don't do that. I don't know what to say. Like, so I've just been quiet. And isn't I that isn't that the worst? Keep to myself. The anxiety that goes on for days and weeks yeah. over one, you know, what, how the fear I of say having it? a conversation. Yeah. And yet, when you finally do have the conversation, and you know this because it's happened a million times in your life, just like it's happened a million times in my life. I've when rehearsed you finally it in have the shower. The, and I know. He's gotten it many I times. Know. But when you finally have that conversation, yeah. it's over and done with in like two, three minutes, perhaps negatively received, whatever else, but it's just there. It's done. Or they but screw it all up and realize you're mad at them, and then they apologize for some reason, and then you don't, get, don't even get to say what you were thinking. <laughs> That's the pisser. I just hate that anxiety that I yeah. go through for weeks and weeks and weeks stressing over it. And then, you know, it boils down to... And that's why I was really glad to go. Had I just taken the 30 seconds, it, you know, I wouldn't have had I to know. deal with any of that. But I can't bring myself to do it. I but get it. I just try and avoid being in the same room at the same time. Because then this way I don't have to look. And hey, wait, it's not, it's not me we're talking about, is it? No. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. <laughs> since we're driving down a highway right now... No, but since you've got nowhere to go... <laughs> What keeps you hopeful as it pertains to mental health? What keeps you hopeful? Well, uh, <laughs> I don't know how much hope I have right now. I mean, there's still a whole whack load of SHIT that I still have to keep dealing with, right? Like, you know, I'm, I'm still we trying to... Yeah, I'm still trying to get 
certain things sorted from my daytime life uh, to, you know, getting, you know, my, my phone and my cable and my internet back and, but, you know, baby steps. So for now, the, the things that I can't control, I'm not going to try and worry about. That's got to be a huge growth for you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm a worrier and I'm the type of person that, like, I, I don't know, I wanted to say, like, mini stalker. Because <laughs> I knew where he lived and if he would, like, tell me, oh, I can't meet today, I'd be staring, like, three blocks away at his house going, is it a little bugger home or what? <laughs> Holding a boombox over your up. head, playing Peter Gabriel on a shred uh, yeah. ring. In your eyes. <laughs> in your nah. eyes, that's it. I'd be, it'd be a better song. Hello. Oh. It's me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for opening up a little bit. It's a conversation I know that we don't get a chance to have, even though we both know yeah. that we're going through the same hell sometimes. It's it's not a conversation. I love you. Um, I love you too. I'm glad you didn't go all Oprah on me and make me cry. So that's good. No, no. I will wait till the podcast is done and then. <laughs> I'm not going to embarrass you. I want to make you feel bad, but I don't want to embarrass you. Uh, I'm always here if you ever need to talk to. Yeah. Likewise. Um, an important conversation, a fascinating conversation, and I'm glad that you are my first. <gasps> right. I'm glad I was your first too. This has been Bumps in the Road. Conversations about your journey to finding better mental health. Keep listening to find out where and when the BTRV will be. And please join us to share your story. Upcoming stops include May 11th at Spinwin Opticians, Ottawa, Ontario. And June 10th at Delta Bingo Peterborough, Ontario. And many more dates to come. I'm the milkman, John Milky. Move for now. <laughs>